Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our September 4th, 2008 edition of the show, 5.05 p.m. on the clock here in Irvine, California. Before we uh, get into it today, I've got a couple of quick reminders. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. Also, if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. You can also catch me on MySpace. That's myspace.com slash outtherabbithole. On this program, we talk about election integrity more than any other subject. Because the sad fact is that we don't have secure elections in the U.S. In fact, we have overwhelming evidence that since 2000, presidential, congressional, and governor's races have been routinely stolen by the Republican Party. Even though the mainstream corporate news media and Congress by and large choose to ignore it, the evidence is still there. Two weeks ago, one of the leading voices in publicizing this crisis, Mark Crispin Miller, was with us. When I asked him about what we could do to get our democracy back, one of the things he strongly recommended was supporting the work of our guest today. He is Cliff Arnebeck, and he is the lead attorney in a hyper-important lawsuit designed to shine light on the conspiracy to subvert our elections, our Constitution, and our Justice Department to create an unchallengeable, unitary, executive corporatocracy. Not surprisingly to those who are awake, Karl Rove is being named as the head of this criminal conspiracy. Scandal after scandal all point to the man known as Bush's brain as being at the center. Hold on to your seats as we talk about the Rove Cybergate campaign. Cliff Arnebeck, welcome to the show. Robert, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing there. And before we uh, just really get into it, let's give out the information because I know people are going to want to find out more and you know, possibly make a donation. And that, uh, which website do they go to for that? Uh, the the uh, rovecybergate.com, or is it .org? Um, I think you'll get there either way. Yeah, yeah but, Rove Cybergate. Yeah, Rove Cybergate, and it's the Rove Cybergate campaign, and uh, it's really set up nicely. There are a lot of information, a lot of links to articles and uh, little videos, YouTubes, and so they can really get a full understanding of it. But we're going to really uh, break into it as well today. So... Uh, yeah, it's great having you here. Uh, you are in the the pro. Let me see if I got this right. In the process of asserting on behalf of public interest clients an Ohio Corrupt Practices Act RICO lawsuit against Carl Rove and others. Is that right? Yeah, where we are, Robert, is we filed a civil rights uh, case against Secretary of State Blackwell back at the end of uh, 2006, before the 2006 election. And uh, uh, after the election in which uh, Democrats were, uh, uh, there, there was a pretty, pretty broad, clean sweep of uh, the Republican leadership, which before had had a monopoly in Ohio. We have a, uh, a got a Democratic uh, Secretary of State, a Democratic uh, Governor, and a Democratic uh, Attorney General. And the first thing that these folks did after their assuming their office was to, uh, in a public forum, say that they wanted to settle cases that uh, had been filed against Blackwell, cases that had merit. So we had a settlement discussion, a settlement concept, and uh, entered into a, a, a joint motion to stay the case pending the, re the completion of the settlement. Part of the settlement concept was uh, that the attorney general would consider undertaking a criminal investigation of the uh, misconduct in the 2004 Ohio election. And that has dragged on quite, quite a, for, for, for quite some time. During the, the time that's been dragging on, the, the Secretary of State has been implementing various reforms that we had requested as part of the settlement of our suit. 
So we've been making progress, but the hang-up has been this uh, this difficult uh, task of uh, going after the criminal aspects of this uh, of this conspiracy. Uh, recently, I'd say within the last three months, uh, some dramatic. Uh, there have been some dramatic uh, developments in terms of resources available to us, in terms of uh, a really phenomenal expert named uh, Stephen Spoonamore, who is a uh, colleague. I mean, he's, he's in, in the private sector, but he uh, works on a collegial basis and a regular basis with the FBI cybersecurity people, the Secret Service and the Treasury Department, the uh, Pentagon folks, as well as his primary work, which is for credit card companies and banks that uh, deal with uh, cyber uh, cybersecurity problems all the time in terms of credit card fraud and that sort of thing. And uh, so he's a he's a well recognized, broadly recognized expert, uh, conversant with all these issues and uh, with tremendous credibility. And and in addition, is a Republican. And, uh, and it consequently, ha he has friendships and uh, uh, collegial, collegial relationships with uh, people high up in the Republican Party, uh, people who are uh, serious and um, intimately involved in the, the uh, IT aspects of, uh, of the Republican uh, presidential campaigns. So uh, he's just a phenomenal resource. And, and in addition, uh, we've got other resources that, are, that become available. So we've basically said uh, that we are now ready to, if the, if the Attorney General is not going to prosecute or proceed with a criminal investigation, we'd like to lift the stay that we had earlier agreed to uh, in order to uh, carry the case forward, develop the evidence further, uh, and we've indicated that we specifically, as, as you indicated in your introduction, we, we, we see Carl Rove as at the center, as the principal perpetrator of this uh, bringing together of corrupt businesses, business entities that want to prey on the American public without uh, the necessity of uh, government regulation or meaningful tort liability when they cross the line, as well as uh, uh, corrupt politicians who are willing to uh, use uh, uh, illegal means to secure elections. Now, you know, we've used the word here a few times uh, today, uh, a conspiracy, and a lot of people, they hear that word and they, they roll their eyes and they, you know, derisively call you a conspiracy theorist. But, you know, you're an attorney. It, this is in criminal and civil matters. Uh, there are several laws on the book on the books that start with. Uh, conspiracy to commit fraud, conspiracy to commit murder. So people are convicted of these things all the time, correct? Sure. And and when when you're a lawyer or an investigative journalist uh, or a, a, a serious academic who is writing about these things or doing a documentary movie on it, um, you know you you don't want to be uh, engaging in a bunch of idle speculation and dreaming up conspiracy theories, what you look for is facts. And the, the overriding fact that uh, people who want to name call, uh, the overriding fact that they have real problems dealing with is the fact that from day one, the exit polls showed that uh, Kerry had won the 2004 election, as they showed that Gore won the 2000 election, as they showed that... Uh, that Max Cleland won the Senate, U.S. Senate race in uh, Georgia in 2002, as they showed that a number of congressional and state house Democratic candidates had, and Supreme Court candidates and auditor candidates in Ohio won the uh, 2006 election, but that the rigging process in a, in a variety of forms uh, had the effect of, de of denying the winners uh, the, the, the benefit of their work and the uh, votes the people cast and uh, kept uh, kept the Republican uh, candidate in office or put him in office. Now, now somebody who is a, a criminal prosecutor, they would look, they look for patterns like that. And you see, okay, we have this race, this race, this race, and this race, and they all uh, 
turned out opposite of what the polling had suggested, exit polling, opinion polling, outside of the margin of error, and all in one direction, all benefiting one particular party. And so there's a big pattern there, and is that not right? In the legal world, you look at things like that and you say, okay, there's something here. Yeah, and interestingly, at the very time of the 2004 presidential election, at the very time that the Republicans were saying and others were saying, well, you just can't trust those exit polls, uh, at that very time, Colin Powell and other spokespersons for the United States government and other people around the world were demanding that the uh, uh, presidential election in the Ukraine not be recognized because there was a substantial deviation from the exit polling information, which was a clear indication of fraud. So it's, it's a case of the double standard where we say, well, gee, these exit polls have proven uh, correct and accurate within their margin of error for many, many years in the United States and all over the world. But suddenly, when Karl Rove is running these elections uh, in the United States uh, in this decade, uh, they're no longer applicable to uh, elections in the United States. Uh, the, the exit polling is scientific. It's based on statistics. It's based upon uh, all kinds of quality control when it's done at the highest levels of uh, professionalism as it, as it has been done in the, our presidential campaigns where the people who are paying for the polls are the media. They, they don't have a stake uh, in the election, uh, and uh, they've, they've employed the very best in professional services in this regard. So it is the gold standard for detecting um, uh, in, integrity or fraud in elections. And uh, I'll just give you another example, uh, and I haven't studied this firsthand, but one of our expert witnesses who lives in New York State uh, told me that in the 2004 election, when there were the, so many deviations in the state uh, results in key swing states between the exit polling and, uh, and the reported result, in New York State, which uses these lever machines, which are non-electronic, have been tested and to be accurate over time, very, very well protected against fraud, the, the, uh, the exit poll results were practically identical to the reported results from those lever machines. And there are other cases as well where we can see you can do comparisons of places that did not use the electronic machines and against places that did, and there seems to be something very weird going on when these electronic machines are used, that there's this strange sort of uh, flow of votes from one direction to the other, a few percentage points, but enough to flip races in several places. And Now, could you talk about uh, a little more about Stephen Spoonamore and what, what specifically he is bringing to the case? Well, he's he's bringing first uh, un unquestionable uh, expertise. Uh, his when uh, NPR had a program uh, recently uh, on uh, cybersecurity issues in doing business with China, they had three uh, recognized experts: one from Congress, one from the executive branch, of the office of the president, and uh, Stephen Spoonamore. Uh, when they did a program on the threat of uh, cybersecurity uh, attacks on the uh, Pentagon, uh, the sensitive information and, and materials available in the Pentagon's data system. Uh, again, Spoonamore was one of the three experts that was asked to uh, participate in the program. Um, and as I say, we, we had, a, had a news conference here in Columbus on July 17th, and I was explaining uh, to the press that, that one of the questions was, what what has Karl Rove done wrong? And I gave them my opinion that Karl Rove had placed uh, a particular person with whom he'd formed a close relationship in the FBI, uh, placed him in the position of, of uh, agent in charge of the Cincinnati office of the FBI uh, in December of 2004. Uh, that happened to be the time where, uh, because of all the evidence of fraud, there had been a number of referrals to the FBI, including an official referral from John Conyers, then minority uh, leader of the, of the House Judiciary Committee, 
and an FBI investigation was opened, and uh, and then it was promptly closed down under this new uh, by this new uh, uh, agent in charge of the Cincinnati office. The Cincinnati office had jurisdiction over the entire southern district of Ohio, which included all of the counties in which the uh, there was this serious pattern uh, of indicating uh, uh, massive switching of votes from Kerry to Bush in the order of magnitude of 60,000 votes that were switched from Kerry to Bush in 12 counties in southwestern Ohio. And the, the, what that means when you switch votes from one candidate to another is the net effect is double. Yeah. So it was 120,000 votes. The official... Uh, margin of victory for Bush in 2004 in Ohio was 118,000 votes. So this one method of one tactic uh, of uh, uh, vote switching in one area, these were Republican counties, uh, uh, amounted to the entire margin of victory. There were so many other forms of fraud being being, uh, uh, used in that election so that we think that the actual uh, result is uh, is the opposite of what was reported. That is, Kerry won by approximately 120,000 votes, not not uh, Bush. Right. And does that even take into effect the the people who were not allowed to vote for various reasons because lines were too long or they were uh, improperly taken off voter rolls? Does that even take that into account? No, but I'll tell you the best uh, the best picture of this uh, in terms of a, uh, it's, it's the best because it's well-researched, well-documented, and it's got graphical, uh, uh, the Rolling Stone magazine did, did this uh, excellent job of, of uh, making graphics to display how many votes were lost through voter suppression tactics, vote purges, voter purges, how many votes were lost in the variety of uh, different methods in which the uh, votes were tampered with, and uh, so it gives you a, not just the words; it gives you a graphical depiction of that. And the article was written by none other than Robert Kennedy Jr. And and as you probably know, Robert Kennedy Jr. is not known to be a um, conspiracy theorist or a or a uh, person who uh, uh, is frivolous in, in any respect or un- unethical in any respect. So his his work on this article um, is, is a serious legal work product. And interestingly, one of our colleagues here had, had, had a friendship with uh, Bobby Kennedy, sent him one of the books that had been written on this fraud, and Bobby Kennedy indicated that initially he was, he was skeptical. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he turned, it, he turned to his, uh, his father's and his, uh, his uncle's uh, pollster, uh, Lou Harris, who is retired, but Lou Harris, as a courtesy to Robert Kennedy Jr., came in and looked at the situation and came away saying this was the dirtiest election in American history. There was no question it was fraudulent. Uh, there was no question that the outcome was affected. And so here's a guy who, who knows the nuts and bolts of politics, has seen election after election, and that's the kind of uh, response he made, and it's his his quotes in that are, is in that article. Yes, uh, Harris, one of the the, the godfathers of of a polling, of political polling, and uh, yes, and you're right. It's a very well researched article, and uh, I, you know, for the most part, it's been ignored I- I- by mainstream media. But you know, when they have looked at it, I haven't seen anybody come up with any good uh, debunking of it. You know, it's just mostly let's just ignore that. All, all the evidence, uh, exit polling, uh, the the statistical analysis, and we we have an act. One of our another of our experts, who is actually digitally photographed, literally hundreds uh, over a hundred thousand ballots, and also uh, the sign-in sheets and the various other election documents, and gone through and analyzed uh, in, in you know actually on location analyzed how these uh, votes were, appear to have been manipulated using a variety of different technologies and techniques. And uh, he's written a book, uh, over 400 pages. It has a CD-ROM uh, that's included with the book, which contains these digital photographs. 
and it documents in, in, in those terms of looking at the ballots, looking at the precinct data, looking at all this together, <coughs> it documents once again the extensive fraud in a much more detailed way than uh, has been done before. Which book is that? It's called Witness to a Crime, and it's by Dr. Richard Hayes Phillips. And he has a website called witnesstoacrime.com. Witnesstoacrime.com. Well, we'll see if we can get him on the show as well, because we really uh, like to talk about that as much as often here, because it is not getting the coverage that it deserves. And uh, this is Robert Larson out the rabbit hole, KUCI in Irvine. I'm speaking today with Cliff Arnebeck, and we're talking about his uh, lawsuit that he has uh, going, where they are trying to... uh, bring people to justice or bring attention to what has gone on here with the uh, corruption of our elections and actually much more than that and you can find out more about what they're doing at uh, Rove Cybergate uh, I think it's rovecybergate.com but you can go .com or .org it'll come up Rove Cybergate campaign is uh, what they're calling this and uh, yes uh, Cliff could we talk a little bit about uh, Michael Connell, this is one of the most troubling things I uh, learned about in uh, doing research for uh, talking to you today. Uh, This guy, he's this extreme political partisan, and uh, he got to design the system through which all the congressional emails go. Is, Is that correct? I'm not sure if that's correct, but he's got uh, he's behind the firewall, so to speak. He is uh, doing uh, work for sensitive committees in Congress, including the House Administration Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, the House Intelligence Committee. Um, he is he is uh, even though he is a uh, a very loyal and dedicated Republican partisan uh, uh, IT specialist. Uh, he, he wears another hat, which is uh, he does under the name of GovTech, and uh, has this relationship uh, that he got into when uh, the Republicans took control of Congress. They contracted out some of these functions, and he, he, he has a key role in a number of congressional committees, as well as doing the IT work for the White House. And he, his name comes up over and over again when we look at all of these all of these suspicious election results that he is somehow connected there's work that he's done on some system that was involved in that election is that right that's right and the the, the key thing and as you indicated we're we have in, we have said publicly that we intend to assert uh, a state uh, racketeering claim against uh, Carl Rove in a vast conspiracy that included uh, coordinating with the uh, Chamber of Commerce and other corrupt uh, business groups to uh, to subvert the independence of our state Supreme Courts around the country uh, in the same time frame that they were uh, stealing the uh, presidency so that they could appoint, uh, appoint uh, uh, federal judges with a particular slant uh, in, the, in, in their uh, policies. And, and the, the, the really significant thing to me about Michael Connell is that, you know, you think of the difficulties of proving a conspiracy where, he, where, where it involves many different organizations and different fields of activity. Uh, Michael Connell is the guy that Rove turned to in every sphere of this conspiracy, uh, including uh, he's placed in the op- operating the IT function for the uh, the the, the uh, web services and the uh, the uh, uh, what do you call it the server function for the votes in the 2004 Ohio election, at the same time he's doing the IT and web work for the Bush campaign. In 2000, uh, in the Florida election, he was doing IT work within the state of Florida in a number of their departments, while simultaneously doing the IT work and web hosting for the Bush campaign. He also was doing the IT work and web hosting for the Swift Boat uh, campaign. And as you probably know, one of the things when, the, when these supposedly independent groups go out and do their attacks, saying that they're not coordinated with the campaign, they just say we're not coordinating with the campaign. Well, here's uh, 
you can you can connect the dots between the people who did this swift boat campaign to having a relationship with Carl Rove, and here's Carl Rove's uh, uh, utility player uh, in all IT aspects of his activities uh, doing the swift boat uh, campaign. Yeah, it's it's quite troubling, and it, the, the links are you know apparently there and you need the evidence you need the uh to get people under oath and this is all part part of the uh lawsuit right well that's the typical uh the typical sequence is you you know you you have a theory of a case and and develop sufficient facts to be able to file the case or file the claim uh which Ethically, you cannot do on mere speculation. You've got to have a reasonable basis to believe in good faith that, the, uh, that what you're asserting is true and, and that, that with, disco- with further discovery you can, you can close the gap of missing information and bring it all together. And what gives me confidence that this is a doable task is that they made the mistake of having one guy who is a, a um, who can, who in effect can be a witness? He's he is just the fact that he had these relationships and these multiple roles where this criminal activity is going on is exhibit A that there is a common organization or a common plan or a common uh, you know common direction and control and activity. And so, where are you guys at now, Cliff, with the development of this suit? Well, we're doing. Uh, we're doing as we have been doing since 2004. We're, we're working on, a, on a, you know, multiple arenas at the same time. We uh, we are trying to make the information available that we have to the investigative press corps, uh, so that they will get their gears rolling. Because when they roll, they can accomplish a great deal. Uh, we're also trying to uh, invoke the. Uh, the jurisdiction of the case that we have already before the federal court to get that reopened so we can conduct some strategic discovery and uh and of course we're making uh we're also making uh efforts to educate and cooperate with members of congress uh because once again they can hold a hearing they can call people in uh they can get evidence presented and it's covered by c-span and it takes on uh, it takes on uh, it's another avenue to get the public aware of this and to get the ball rolling so you build a synergy uh, where information's coming in from, in from multiple directions. If you think back to Watergate, think back uh, that you had a special prosecutor, you had a case in a, in district court and a courageous judge who was uh, pressing for uh, discovery and information from people. you had a special prosecutor who was uh, Working on the uh, congressional uh, the the impeachment uh, investigation with the resources of the FBI and federal government in that regard, and you had these these uh, very aggressive uh, investigative reporters with uh, Woodward and Bernstein being assisted by insiders who were providing information. And I should add that we, you know, we do have a number of insiders uh, as resources giving us guidance. Um, some some. Uh, you know, out front and some uh, behind the scenes. Some you can talk about and some you can't. Uh, right. Yeah, and so, again, the website is rovecybergate.com, and you guys uh, can use help with uh, uh, resources, namely uh, dollars, and so people can make a, uh, a tax-deductible donation there? That's correct. Now, the, you know, th- this is not an attack on the Republican Party, and, and indeed, what we believe and what we will be asserting in our claim and it's what we've asserted in, in our press conference, the conspiracy began after the New Hampshire primary where Bush lost to John McCain by two to one. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Carl Rove said, Jesus, we're in trouble. We've got to take the gloves off. Well, taking the gloves off meant going to these corrupt business interests uh, led by Big Tobacco uh, to get money and uh, get front groups working to tarnish uh, uh, and destroy uh, John McCain politically in South Carolina. That changed the dynamics of the Republican primary, uh, secured Bush the uh, primary, and then that mechanism took over, uh, uh, continued to to operate through the entire uh, Bush uh, administration, with Rove there to continue to work to undermine the rule of law, to undermine the integrity uh, of the Justice Department, 
to turn it in, into what uh, John Conyers has described as an injustice department that was involved in the political persecution and prosecution of honest, decent, and popular uh, Democratic uh, office holders such as Governor uh, Siegel, uh, Siegelman in Alabama and others. Yeah, and so again, this is not about uh, uh, Democratic versus Republican. This is about saving the integrity of our elections, saving our legal system, our Justice Department, our Constitution. And uh, you, as you said, th- this started you know, in New Hampshire in 2000, and that there was, it's not just about rigging elections, it's about uh, illegally uh, using monies from corporate interest in uh, that there are laws against the way they're using this money, and they're breaking these laws, or they're getting around them. There's that going on as well, and now that they've been in office, we have the situation, which again, seems to lead back to Karl Rove, of the politicization of the Justice Department. You mentioned uh, Governor Siegelman, that political uh, witch hunt, uh, bogus uh, charges brought against him, and we the, the other thing, the attorney's firing scandal, and David Iglesias, and all the people who did not want to do the dirty work, who said, we will not bring forward these uh, bogus uh, charges. All of this ties together into the what is called uh, the permanent Republican majority. Was it, who originally came up with that phrase? Was that Karl Rove? I think it was. Karl Rove was the one that, uh, you know, said his hero was uh, Mark Hanna, a uh, former uh, operative for uh, uh, McKinley, President McKinley, uh, who said money, uh, there are three things important in politics, uh, money, money, and I can't remember the third, something like that. And uh, uh, but he was a he was a real uh, operator, and they did uh, secure power for a period of time. And Rove uh, had talked about having a permanent uh, Republican majority, permanent for 50 years. And uh, uh, and his colleague uh, Grover Norquist has been rather candid in his comments about. Uh, reducing the size of government to the point where you could drown the federal government in a bathtub, like a baby in a bathtub or something. Uh, these people are lack, lack conscience, lack a sensitivity of, uh, of, of you know, what, what life is about and what civilization is about and how precious a thing it is. And, uh, and when they talk about making these little alliances with business, these corrupt alliances with business between businessmen and politicians, that create this license for corporations to rob, steal, pillage, prey on the public at will. It creates this uh, downward trend in the uh, in the in the uh, interests of the middle class, uh, on which so much of a, uh, democratic values are are based, and the vibrance of our democracy are based, and the the strength of our economy is based. Uh, they're destroying this this country. And and it and it and it's it really when you think in terms of historical precedents, this merger of politics with uh, business, monopoly business, is is a form of fascism. Well, that's actually the godfather of fascism. Uh, Mussolini defined uh, defined it that way, saying that uh, I think I have the quote right: fascism should more properly be called corporatism. And that's surely what we seem to be moving toward now. And the and Rove and uh, Addington and the whole gang there, they they believe in this principle of the unitary executive of expanding the power of the executive branch at the expense of the other two. And that once you do that to a certain extent, it's hard to distinguish that unitary executive from a dictator or a king. Well, and it's it's fundamentally both this unitary executive concept as well as the the, uh, uh, breaking down the barrier between the wall between business and government is uh, destroys the uh, concept on which our constitution is based of checks and balances. Yes, exactly. Uh, th- th- this is Robert Larson out the rabbit hole, KUCI and Irvine, speaking with Cliff Arnebeck, and we're uh, he is with the uh, Rove Cybergate campaign, and you can go to rovecybergate uh, dot com and find out all the information about this really important lawsuit they are working on, which is designed to um, actually save our democracy. And uh, it's very uh, it's very wide ranging. I mean, this is I, I I give you a lot of credit. This is a uh, 
a huge enterprise. This is you're you're up against some pretty powerful people, and you must have some confidence of uh, success at this. What gives you that confidence, Cliff? Well, I tell you, sometimes these things, you know, it sort of comes together in a way that you say, well, gee, we didn't really. Um, you know, it's sort of fantastic the way this this, this is happening. Um, one one piece that I think is a, it has helped us recently uh, increase our confidence and feel feel we're making uh, major strides forward is the focus on Rove and not to get it mixed up with uh, Bush. Uh, yes, they're connected, but Rove is the guy that is is developing the concept, pitching the concept, implementing the concept. As Bush has described him, he's the architect. You think of George W. Bush and uh, a a relative of my wife's went to school with him at Andover and Yale, and he said, you know, Bush, George W. Bush was not intellectually curious at Andover. He was not intellectually curious at Yale, and he's certainly not intellectually curious as President of the United States. He's been doing what Karl Rove told him he had to do in order to get elected. And in effect, Rove's saying, you know, if you, want, if you want in the White House, I've got the keys to the back door. Just follow me. And he said the same thing to uh, John McCain, and he's, uh, he, is, he is the architect of the, currently the architect of the McCain campaign as well. Is something that is often overlooked by the uh, mainstream media. So let's talk a little bit about that, about this. We've got this election in two months, and I don't know. Uh, it, it looks right now pretty close by the way the polling is going. And from uh, my perspective, everything we've talked about here and what I know about election integrity, that uh, – Obama's going to lose. I mean, unless he is way ahead in the polls, they're going to steal it from him. Well, for, for, you know, this is uh, tough to speculate on, but uh, the guy that I'm following as, as, as the prophet on these things is, uh, is uh, 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 the guy with the New York Times, uh, Frank Rich. Okay. Uh, Frank Rich's background was basically uh, a theater critic. And uh, now he's doing uh, politics. When he was a theater critic, when he wrote a, re- a negative review of a play in New York, I'm told the play would close the next night. That's, That's how respected his opinions were. Okay. Well, he's now applying that critical uh, perspective to our political scene. And, and what he's saying is that uh, the fundamentals all called for Barack Obama to to run for the presidency and not listen to those who said you have to wait. He said, you know, this is the moment in history where just such a candidate is needed, and he has all he has everything he needs to be a wonderful president and a and a successful candidate. Uh, he called uh, before the convention. He called for Barack Obama to change his theme from. Uh, change we can believe in to change we absolutely need before it's too late. <laughs> and uh, Obama seemed to pick up on that. Uh, the other thing that I've noticed uh, personally is that Obama, uh, it's not just that he's so smart and, and smart enough to know uh, what he doesn't know and, and therefore uh, to bring in experts that can help him in the areas that he needs good advice uh, uh, to cover cover for that. But he has a tremendous uh, uh, capacity for growth. He listens to people, and if you if you see something that you disagree with, uh, you're, you don't you're bothered by. Uh, he seems to have the um, the the sensitivity to want to know about that and to and to to grow and improve to respond. So he's somebody that I think if he were if he uh, he's growing so much during the campaign process. Uh, rising in stature, and I think if he gets into office, he'll he'll continue to grow as well. So I feel that uh, uh, 2008 is going to be like 2006, where fundamentally the American public has recognized that they've been getting screwed over by this uh, fascist conspiracy, by this deregulation, by this giveaway of uh, resources to the, the just the elite this disregard of the rule of law, they can see the effects. They can see the decline in the reputation of this country and the world, and they can see how 
uh, how what a drain. I mean, how how can we afford this imperial uh, imperial activity uh, of, of armies of op- occupation in other countries and that sort of thing? We can't afford it, and the public sees that. So I, I think it's going to be a uh, a, a, a strong turnout and, and a strong margin in favor of uh, the better candidate. Well, I hope you're right, and and I somewhat agree with that. And you know, I just I just look at. The recent polling in a lot of the swing states, uh, you know, there are Obamas ahead in some of them, but only by three or four points at most. And, and, and you know, that's that's within the cheat uh, margin from what we know from past elections. But uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, see a, a margin big enough to overcome that. But uh, and I also think that part of the part of the process and this is why I feel strongly about what we're doing. Um, and there are people who don't, uh, you know, they, they are advising Obama and advising the Democratic Party, don't go near that fraud stuff, don't, don't talk about that, uh, don't get into it. Well, if you give the public the information that this sort of thing is going on, they are going to be just as nauseated as, as uh, we are. When, you know, it's people who are ignorant of this who are going to vote, Based upon and be manipulated by the various schemes that are that are in play here, and the other thing I'm hoping is that if we can bring this stuff out clearly enough, John McCain himself is going to say, "Wait a minute, that's not that's not the way I want to get elected." And if that's what's involved here, count me out, or you know I'm going to expose it and I'll take my chances on an honest election. So you think McCain has? that much integrity i don't think he's a crook i really don't oh well that's good to to know and good good to hear and i don't yeah a lot of his policies do seem to be the same as uh as bush's but he does seem to uh, yeah have a little more integrity not uh so hopefully that will uh you know play out so the let's talk about i want to get back into some of the the stuff that you're planning to bring up in the case and uh, about Diebold in particular, and there was uh, Mark Crispin Miller and I talked about this a little a couple weeks ago about the uh, whistleblower close to the Georgia Secretary of State's office who claims that in 2002 an unauthorized mysterious patch was personally installed in the machines by Diebold CEO Bob Yurosevich. In just two counties, and these were both Democratic strongholds, what can you say about that? Uh, I've not looked closely at that. I've, I've, I've talked with Chris Hood, who's the uh, whistleblower you're talking about. Um, I, know, uh, I know I've talked with uh, Stephen Spoonamore about it. Uh, and what you described is essentially uh, uh, the story that, uh, uh, that I think has been uh, told. And, and from, from my standpoint... What's really significant is that this was a case where Stephen Spoonamore uh, was working with a retired military guy who's, a, who's also a cybersecurity expert who was at, the, at the, the other, his partner, his colleague, was working at that time with the cybersecurity people at the FBI, and he's the guy that delivered this patch that Chris Hood had provided to the FBI. And once again, as happened in Ohio, when evidence was given to the FBI, it was not pursued. And this just shows you uh, the problem, the, the basic problem we have, and the reason that Karl Rove infiltrated and, and exercised undue influence over the Justice Department. If you stop the, if you corrupt the sheriff's office, how are you going to, how are you going to control crime? Yeah, and so uh, this this kind of worries me as far as y- you guys going forward with what you're doing. Do you uh, let's say that uh, Obama is elected and we have uh, new people put in at the Justice Department and all of that? Do you think that will make a big difference with what you're doing and being able to proceed and uh, get the uh, truth out there and bring uh, justice to this situation? Absolutely, um, and things things have not completely turned around. But but uh, there have been a couple of Inspector General reports in the in the Justice Department where they have documented uh, the the improper influence from the White House, uh, the the fact how 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 deviating this was from the established policy, and uh, and they're t- trying to take corrective action. So 
there are things, uh, at least in, in part, on the way. And uh, uh, there have been some successful prosecutions. Uh, Abramoff is now uh, cooperating with prosecutors. We're, we're hoping to seek his cooperation and gain his cooperation in our case. Uh, Bob Ney, who, who happens to be a former client of mine um, many years ago, um, was uh, uh, on the radio not long, uh, I think about a week ago, and basically uh, indicated that he thought that uh, the Bush administration had gone after him because he was serving or had the ability to serve as a back-channel communicator between uh, the nation of Iran and the United States government because he, he had taught English in Iran and uh, knew the language and uh, had been approached by the Iranians to carry a message of peace to the United States, and the Bush administration didn't want to hear that because they wanted to stimulate the uh, possibility of war with Iran. So you've got people who have been on the inside, people who have been very strong Republicans, who, who for a variety of reasons are, are beginning to uh, come out. Well, yeah, and you've got people like David Iglesias, who is a very conservative Republican, who now is is uh, very much against uh, what happened to him, of course. In, well, the statement that I remember distinctly him making is that he went to work for the Justice Department thinking he was going to fight organized crime, and instead what he found out is that the Justice Department had become an, uh, uh, you know, organized crime. Yeah, and, and then you've also got... Uh, the McClellan coming out with some, you know, he was a true believer in what they were all doing there, and he's got some issues with it as well. Yeah, now, see, and, and it makes the point, you know, at, 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 the, at the core, people who, who subscribe to the Republican Party do, most people, or ordinary people, and, and extraordinary people who've been leaders in the Republican Party but are principled, they, they subscribe to that party because they believe in, in Lincoln and Theodore Roosevelt and other heroes of, of, of great principle and great public integrity, not, not because they're loyal to a guy like Karl Rove. I mean, this is a deviation from the traditions of the Republican Party, and the sooner we can get the, get the uh, crooks out of our politics, the better for everybody. Yeah. Um, did you catch, uh, switch gears here a little bit, did you catch... Uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia's recent bit of what I thought was revisionist history regarding the Bush v. Gore decision, wherein he uh, riffed on the Republican talking point that the subsequent counting of the vote in Florida showed that Bush uh, won Florida anyway. Yeah, that's absolutely wrong, and I did see the interview, and he totally mischaracterized the facts of the uh, investigation by the press. Uh, it was a consortium of the press, news, written, uh, newsprint uh, uh, news organizations, um, and one of my college uh, uh, fraternity brothers was uh, head of the uh, Knight Ritter paper in Miami Herald at the time, and they were they were leaders in that. And the count showed by the count was done by a certified public accounting firm. The count showed that if all the votes had been counted, uh, Gore would have won, and that's not taking into account. Uh, the, the voter suppression that occurred, and that's well documented, that they were knowingly taking uh, African Americans off the voter rolls because if, if they had any, their name had any similarity to anyone in the country who had been convicted of a felony, they were just striking them off the rolls. And so, yeah, this is really troubling to me that this guy here is a Supreme Court uh, justice. Uh, some people have argued the most powerful person on there, even though he's not the chief justice, and that he is in engaging in this sort of like political revisionist history and sort of mischaracterizing this whole thing and, and basically just lying to sort of make himself look better, but to just it, be a political partisan. Well, if you remember... Uh, after that decision, uh, law professors, constitutional law professors all over the country from every reputable law school in this country signed a letter saying that that decision was out, out of step with every, you know, with fundamental principles taught in Ameri American law schools. And if you remember also, uh, uh, Scalia is the one that said that uh, uh, if they let the vote uh, vote count continue as ordered by the Florida Supreme Court, it could be embarrassing to Bush. 
<laughs> I mean, this is not, I've never heard, there's no case in the history of American jurisprudence uh, yeah, I thought that was bizarre at the time, and I I don't have a legal background. So, well, so what? I mean, that. Yeah. And, and what what is what is um, uh, the the standard for an injunction is irreparable harm. You get issue an injunction to avoid irreparable harm, and the the idea that an honest uh, full vote count uh, would cause irreparable harm, and the irreparable harm is it would prove that uh, uh, Bush didn't win the election and cost him the election because he he actually lost. I mean, this is absurd, and Wait. that's what the man said. And and it's almost like if once you buy into that first opinion, and and you do what you did in that decision, which uh, Justice Stevens said would be, I think something like this would be an embarrassment, or uh, this was something that uh, you know was a damage the court in a way that would last for many many years. Uh, this was this was. Uh, Profound, and if you've done that kind of disservice to your profession and to the rule of law and to the Constitution of the United States, uh, it's no wonder that you, uh, you 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 revise your recollection of it and the effect of it. Yeah, it, it was quite disturbing. Um, so yeah, this is the kind of thing we're up against. It's all the way at the U.S. Supreme Court, but I. I wish you guys all the best with what you're doing there and i urge you listeners to uh check this out go to rove uh, cybergate.com and again they they can make a uh tax de- deductible donation there and uh, to help support the cause of uh what i will say is saving our democracy and so cliff arnebeck do you have uh anything else you want to make sure you tell us about before we close out here no i just want to thank you robert for uh carrying the torch out there and uh, it's as, as you indicated. There, there, there is a problem. There's been difficulty getting this into the mainstream media, and so any any voice that uh, gets the truth out to the people, that's what we need. And uh, and and you've been a part of that, and we really appreciate it. Well, you're you're quite welcome, and you're welcome back on the show anytime. And any other in election integrity people who you want to send my way, we we love talking about it here because I'm just I am outraged. Some I I just can't even believe it. That's why the show is called Out the Rabbit Hole. It seems like we're down this false reality where up is down and down is up, and you know people just believe that fraudulent fraudulent elections are not so. So we're going to just keep talking about it here and uh thank you uh so much cliff arnebeck for what you're doing and for being with us today thank you so much okay take care bye now bye now that's uh cliff arnebeck and again it's the rove cybergate campaign uh, rovecybergate.com you can go there and uh, really uh wonderful work that they're doing and so stay tuned here in about two or three minutes we're going to have kyle up with his excellent music at uh things that are square And I will be with you next week, next Thursday, 5 p.m., as always, with uh, more fascinating talk, more uh, exposing the lies. (laughs) Uh, Out the rabbit hole, Robert Larson, KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org. And if you want to give me some feedback, I always appreciate that. R.G. Larson at KUCI.org. You can also catch me at MySpace. That's MySpace.com slash Out the Rabbit Hole. And I'm going to leave you with some music here. I think we've got this queued up here. It's a song called Election from uh, David Rovix. And so you are listening to KUCI in Irvine. Stay tuned for Kyle.